recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Turn it on and rip the knob off. And welcome back to another edition of the Wrestling Memory Grenade, now at episode 120. And this week we cover another edition of the WWF's Saturday Night's Main Event. Just two weeks out from WrestleMania 4, we go back in time to March the 12th, 1988. Going to take a look at Saturday Night's Main Event and the stories being told there as we continue on that road to WrestleMania. But first, before we get there, just a friendly reminder that you guys can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade and our sister shows, like the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories, the Wrestling Stoop Podcast with the legend himself, Bob Roop, Glory Days GrappleCon, with host Barry Rose and Captain Nick Massey, where they not only give you the latest updates on their upcoming GrappleCon event, but they also share past wrestling memories and feature special interviews. This week, the wrestling legend, Brian Adias, appears on Glory Days GrappleCon. You want to check that out? You'll also want to check out, coming very soon, the Pro Wrestling Academy podcast with Dan Gennetti. Dan going to take everybody back in time and discuss Japanese pro wrestling history in the English language. And this one's an oldie, but a goodie. Still there, Monday Warfare, the battles within. It's all about Raw versus Nitro and the Monday Night War telling that story one week at a time. And a shout-out, too, to Luke Jennings and his Memphis Continental Wrestling Cast, the UK's number one and only Memphis wrestling-related podcast. And you can listen to all of those shows and more, all part of the WrestleCopia podcast network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met, from Apple to Spotify, Pocket Cast, and beyond. And hey, while you're at it, why not follow me on social media, guys, for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. Plus, I'm constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And you can follow me right now. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And while you're at it, why not subscribe to YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And last but certainly not least, now would be a phenomenal time to become a WrestleCopia patron. Talking about that $5 all-access tier over at Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia, where you get so many gifts for just 5 bucks, including all of my insanely detailed show notes for every episode of The Grenade Show, plus Monday Warfare and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. You also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia, where you can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Then from there, it's remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show covering the 1989 NWA project. Includes enhanced sound quality, plus new content and conversation never heard before. But that's still not all. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. Then from there, it's random bonus video drops and, of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series. 
covering many past WWF and WCW events, and you get all of that for the low, low cost of just $5. No subscription, cancel anytime, show your support. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like all of the content that I offer, and every penny of it goes right back here into paying the bills to help keep the WrestleCopia Podcast Network and all of the wonderful shows here up and running for the months and the years to come. So if you've been on the fence, you're looking to support that next up-and-coming podcast brand, please consider making it WrestleCopia. And all right, guys, with all of that said, all of that out of the way, time to jump back into the WWF in 1988 project. And here this week, as promised, it's Saturday night's main event from March the 12th, 1988. But before we get there, it should be noted that Saturday night's main event, the taping, was not a live show. In fact, it was taped five days prior, March the 7th, in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium, in front of a sellout crowd of 10,000, which Meltzer notes is heavily papered. Not really sure we got that info, but it is what it is. But as you might suspect, the 10,000 fans in attendance didn't come to see just the five matches on the televised card, but rather a ton of dark matches as well. In fact, 14 matches on the card total, five of them air on NBC. The other nine, well, they go like this. Coco Beware over Outlaw Ron Bass on a countout. The Young Stallions defeating the Bolsheviks. Bad News Brown over Brady Boone. Rock Down Morocco scoring a victory over rival Natural Butch Reed with an inside cradle. That feud coming to a close very shortly. Hacksaw Jim Duggan battling Ravishing Rick Rude to a double countout. Jake the Snake Roberts over the Honky Tonk Man by pinfall in a non-title matchup. Then from there, the British Bulldogs over Demolition. Junkyard Dog wrestling Hercules to a double disqualification. And in the main event of the dark matches, Andre the Giant scored a win over Bam Bam Bigelow via pinfall. The Bammer running right into a giant foot of Andre in the corner and the Giant sitting on top of Bam Bam to pick up the win. Now, those are just the dark matches on the card. Of course, guys, coming up in just a couple seconds, we're going to head off to the big TV program, look at the other five matches on the card, including the Macho Man Randy Savage taking on Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, one man gang going one on one with the Olympic strongman Ken Patera. Bobby Heenan's Islanders getting ready for WrestleMania, battling the Killer Bees here. Meanwhile, the former Dream Team looking to end their rivalry once and for all as Brutus the Barber Beefcake takes on Greg the Hammer Valentine. And if that wasn't enough, Hulk Hogan appears, sans title, as the Hulkster has only one more obstacle in his way before WrestleMania, that being the King. Harley Race. We're going to look at all of that and so much more as we get into it now, guys. We head back to March 12th, 1988, and the WWF's Saturday Night's Main Event. Hear me now. Ooh, yeah. Million Dollar Man, there's no room in the danger zone for your kind or your money. No, you're a bad check, Million Dollar Man, yeah. And the Macho Man is going to bounce you out of here for good. When the millions meets the madness. Macho talks and money walks, yeah. Well, that macho man has taken one too many guitars to the head. The Million Dollar Man has brought class and fiscal responsibility to the World Wrestling Federation. Unlike what the macho man brings to the ring, tonight you'll see what I bring to the ring, and it's worth its weight in gold. <laughs> Brutus the Barber says heads up because you're on the cutting edge of sports entertainment. Tonight includes my hair-raising match with Greg the Hammer Valentine. It'll be a sheer delight. 
On the last main event, you saw Andre the Giant humble Hulk Hogan. Well, tonight, you're going to see Hulk Hogan on his hands and knees, showing proper respect to the king, Harley Race. Long live the king. Hogan, you will either bow or you'll break. The Hulkster will never bow. The Hulkster will never break. Better men than Bobby the Weasel Heenan and Harley Race have tried to conquer the power of the Hulkamaniacs. But tonight, Harley Race will be crowned like he's never been crowned before. God, the, uh, the music gets me pumping, but you got to love those intros, the promos. Macho Man and Elizabeth says, there's no room in the danger zone for Ted DiBiase's kind or money. And he'll bounce his check for good here tonight because Macho talks and money walks. Mm, yeah, huh. like it. Then we heard from the million dollar man who says that the Macho Man, he is taking one too many guitar shots to the head. As Ted DiBiase, he's brought class to the WWF unlike Randy Savage, and what the Million Dollar Man plans to bring to the ring tonight is worth its weight in gold. Also, we heard from the barber Brutus Beefcake on the cutting edge of sports entertainment. He says it'll be a sheer delight and a hair-raising experience. How clever. We also hear from the Doctor of Style Slick standing there with the one-man gang. He has an Olympic update for us all. Kim Patera will do what all U.S. Olympians do best, and that's lose. I wrote, cheap heat, Slick. Also, Bobby Heenan and Harley Race, they said last time Andre was the one that humbled Hulk Hogan, but this time the Hulkster will either bow or break. Always love that line from the King. Meanwhile, Hogan says he will never bow. He will never break. And better men have tried, Harley Race. Dude. Hogan says he'll crown the King like he's never been crowned before. Brother. As we get rolling here into Nashville, Tennessee, March the 12th, Saturday night's men event reportedly drew a 10 rating and a 30 share, which Meltzer notes is a good rating, but well off what the previous few have done. Well, the lack of build to this one 
Likely added to that as we see Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura here on commentary. And straight away, we get a replay reminder of the last event, the main event, on NBC, the Hulkster Screwjob Brother. No longer the WWF Champion reminded here at the top of the program here tonight for those who may have missed it. As we get set for our opening match this week, going to see the Dream Team explode. Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake going to collide one-on-one as we head off now to Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the hammer. Greg Valentine and his manager, Jimmy Hart. All right, I thank you, Vince. By the way, gentlemen, tonight, the long-awaited shot at Brutus the Barber. Jimmy Hart, any second thoughts as this match approaches? <laughs> any second thoughts? you got to be kidding me, Mean Gene. You know, Brutus is no match for the hammer. For years, as former World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, Greg had to carry that hot dog, man. Brutus is no prime wrestler. And tonight, we're going to prove what a rump roast Brutus really is. And tonight, I'm going to tenderize that meathead with the hammer. So there is not any truth to the rumor, Jimmy Hart, that you personally are afraid of Brutus the Barber. Afraid he might get your hair, I mean. What do you know about hair, Chrome Dome? What do you know about wrestling? Nothing. Come on, Hammer, we got work to do, baby. The one thing I will say, Vince, is Jimmy Hart has certainly revitalized Greg the Hammer into a top contender. Brutus the Barber has got his work cut out. (laughs) Pardon the pun for him tonight. Let's go back to you. Well, here it is right here on TV, on NBC, the long-awaited shot at the barber as the Dream Team explodes, perhaps for the final time. Greg Valentine will tenderize Beefer with his hammer here tonight as Jimmy Hart denies that he fears Brutai or his hedge clippers. As Mean Gene puts over Jimmy Hart, bringing Valentine back up the ranks. So giving some credibility here to both Jimmy Hart as a manager, as well as Greg Valentine's recent push. And now we're off to the other side. We're going to go back to Mean Gene once again. This time he's standing by with Brutus, the Barber Beefcake. All right, Brutus, this is it. Tonight you meet your former tag team partner, Greg the Hammer Valentine, along with his new manager, Jimmy Hart. They both had harsh words for you. Got a little snippy, did they? Snippy? They were more than snippy. They were downright insulting. They said you were a poor wrestler. I can cut it in the ring, Mean Gene. If you were sharp... You know that. I know that, Brutus, but are you ready to face the hammer with Jimmy Hart? Don't get in the lather, Mean Gene. When it comes to wrestling, I've got the edge. (laughs) All right, Vince, Brutus the Barber, getting to the point. His words were sharp. Oh, no, I've got to watch myself. These puns are starting to catch up with me. Let's get back to you. I'll have to agree with Gene there. The puns are becoming just a little bit too much out of the barber, but Greg Valentine and Jimmy Hart, they got a little snippy. With me and Gene, referring to Brudai as a poor wrestler? Eh, could be. As we roll off to the ring for the opening match, it is Brutus the Barber Beefcake taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine. Jimmy Hart in his corner, former partners collide. As Valentine lays in some stiff shots early on in the match, but eats a high knee from the Barber as Brudai with a big boot. Not bad, as the Hammer takes another slow tree fall bump. And a pair of atomic drops follow by Beefer, and he drops Valentine for a jackknife pin. Wow, Brutus pulling out all the stops here. A jackknife cover. Got to get himself a two count. And then it's over to the corner for the 10 punches of doom on the hammer, which sees Valentine take already his fourth slow motion bump in this matchup early on. Uh, Dave Hebner, I guess it's Dave. He gets between the two men to separate him out of the corner when the hammer lands a cheap shot before going up top and coming off with a crushing elbow to the back of Brutai's head. Gets Greg Valentine a two-count there, and Valentine then locks in the figure four, his finishing hold. But they're too close to the ropes, and Valentine's going to have to break the hold, and he does so 
before stomping Beefer out to the floor. And it's at this point in the matchup with Beefcake selling his leg on the outside, the Intercontinental Champion Honky Tonk Man comes down to the ring with a live mic in hand, standing over top of Brutus and mocking him. And after the taunting goes on for a bit, several officials come to ringside and force the IC champ backstage as we take a commercial break. And then back from break, we see the hammer tossing Beefcake back into the ring. As the match continues, we get some decent, if not predictable, offense here from Greg Valentine, who drives some elbows into the barber and then begins to work over the leg of Brudeye. And some really good stuff here. Valentine grinding his foot down into the knee of Beefcake. Really good work here by Greg Valentine as the hammer attempts once again to apply the figure four, but this time Beefcake pulls Greg's trunks down to expose the hammer's ass, and then Valentine tries a second attempt at the figure four, but this time Brudeye kicks him off, and it's time to fire up for the barber. And Beefcake locking in the sleeper hold, and the hammer is indeed in trouble, but he somehow manages to make his way over the ropes before both men fall through them and outside onto the floor. Now, this bump obviously forces Beefcake to release the sleeper hold, but he's not looking for a count out here. The barber quickly sends Valentine back into the ring. Then from there, Beefer tries to follow Greg back inside, but manager Jimmy Hart begins nailing the barber from behind. And now it's Brutus Lang chased to Hart around ringside and then straight through the ring, where the hammer is waiting to lower the boom. It was all a setup, you see, as Valentine, then with a nice back suplex and a bridge, sort of. Gets the one, two, three. And it looks like the hammer may have picked up the win, but we see in slow motion replay here that, well, it looks like Brutus, he got his shoulder up during the pinfall, and thus, it's the barber who pinned the hammer. Beefcake ruled the winner, nine minutes of the match shown here on TV. So it is Brutus Beefcake coming out with a pinfall victory here over Greg Valentine, as the hammer and Jimmy Hart are beside themselves about the ruling made by the official and the distraction allows the barber time to sneak up behind the heels and snip off some more of Valentine's hair. And then before chasing the heels away with his hedge clippers, Brutus even ripping the jacket off of poor Jimmy Hart. Now, my analysis for this matchup was, first of all, I forgot how solid Greg Valentine was in the first few months after splitting from Dino Bravo. He honestly carried the beefcake match here to, to a decent match, which accomplished multiple things. First, further the Honky Tonk Man Beefcake story for WrestleMania. Of course, we saw Honky Tonk come to ringside. It also gives Beefer a solid win for momentum heading into that IC title match at the pay-per-view. But it also made Valentine look like a credible challenger for the WWF title tournament upcoming. Between his time and control here in the matchup and then the finish even saved him from doing a straight-up job. He lost on a technicality. Brutus getting his shoulder up at the last split second. So if you guys ever want to see a good Hammer or Brutus match from this time period, the late 1980s, this wasn't too shabby. As the show continues on, we roll off now back to Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the king, Harley Race, and his manager, Bobby Heenan. Tonight, Hulk Hogan is going to be facing King Harley Race on the main event. Bobby Heenan, you've got to shoulder a lot of the responsibility for the fact that Hulk Hogan no longer holds the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight crown. Oh, and well, I'd be glad to shoulder that responsibility. Yes, I was a force behind that. But wasn't that a beautiful sight, watching Andre the Giant humble Hulk Hogan, wipe out Hulkamania, as you poor little punk humanoids 
Hulkamaniac sat there with your nose sniffling and the tears pouring out of your eyes. Well, tonight, get real close to that ring. Get real close to your TVs, because what you're going to see tonight is Hulk Hogan on his hands and knees showing proper respect to the one and the only true king of the World Wrestling Federation, the King Harley Race. And if you all want to bow too, feel free. It's going to become a brand new thing to do. This is how you do it. This is how you show respect. Please, Your Majesty, give me a break. Let me tell you something, Hogan. It was proven that you're mortal. And all mortal men are going to bow to the king. What about a oh, Bobby? Oh, oh, one, one other treat. One other treat. One other treat. Tonight, you're going to see Hulk Hogan not only bow and kneel, you're going to see him kiss the feet of the king, Harley Race. Your royal subjects await. Let's go. Bobby Heenan, manager of the King Harley Race, Hulk Hogan Bow. I don't think we'll ever see that. Back to you, Vince. So Mean Gene doing what he does best here, putting some of the blame on Bobby Heenan for Hulk Hogan no longer being the WWF champion. Remember, it was Heenan who sold the contract of Andre to the Million Dollar Man. Meanwhile, Heenan, he basks in the thought of the Hulkster losing the belt and the Hulkamaniac sitting at home sniffling. As tonight, Hogan will show respect to the true king of the ring. Not only will he bow and kneel, but he will kiss the feet of Harley Race. What a proclamation. As we go off now, we're going to hear from the other side. We head backstage to Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the former WWF champion. Here is Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, just moments ago, Bobby Heenan stated that Hulkamania had been humbled by Andre the Giant. Now, tonight, the king of the Heenan family, Harley Race. First off, Mean Gene, Hulkamania will never die, brother. The big wheels of Hulkamania, they're churning away. And Harley Race, you're the only thing in my way before I get to WrestleMania and before I get back to the world title. Oh yeah, Heenan, you're a smart man. You sold Andre the Giant because you knew he could never beat me, brother. But as far as me bowing in servitude before the king, I only bow to one man, Mean Gene, and that big dude walks on water. As far as I'm concerned, Harley Race, when I get done with you tonight, all the weasel's horses and all the weasel's men will never put the king back together again. Oh, I like that a lot. He is headed down to the ring, Hulk Hogan, shortly to meet the king, Harley Race. And the Hulkster rocking a taped-up right hand for this matchup. Pretty sure that's a legal Hulk. But it is Hulk Hogan after all, so I guess we just ignore that. As the Hulkster responds here, he says, Harley Race is the only thing standing in his way before WrestleMania 4 and his WWF title, dude. Hogan says he only bows to one man, brother, and that's the big dude that walks on water, man. As we get a little bit of foreshadowing here, Hulk Hogan's saying that when he's done with Harley Race, they won't be able to put him back together again, which is slightly true. As we head off to the ring now for our next matchup, it is Hulk Hogan taking on the King Harley Race with manager Bobby Heenan. And before the matchup, Hulkster making his way to ringside, chasing Bobby Heenan up the aisle as we take a quick break. And I wrote here in my notes, still so weird seeing Hogan come down without the WWF title. Just looks naked. Doesn't look complete. And that's coming from a non-Hulkamaniac back in the day. And then away we go back from break. Hulk Hogan rushing to the ring, sliding inside, where he's met by an awaiting Harley Race, dropping an elbow to the back of the head of the Hulkster, which... Hogan, no sells. So from there, Race going to lay in a series of headbutts. But again, the Hulkster comes back 
drilling the king with a series of tape fists, dude, dropping Harley Race to the mat. Hogan then standing over top of Harley Race as he begins to rip off his shirt, brother, and the bell finally sounds. So wait a minute, none of that actually even counted? I guess that maybe explains why he wasn't DQ'd for all those tape fist shots to Harley Race, but leave it to the referees here in the WWF. As the bell sounds, Hogan rips his shirt off and the crowd goes nuts as Hulk Hogan nails a pair of clotheslines and Harley Race taking some awesome backflip bumps standing on his head. What a sell job here by the King and a third clothesline going to send Harley Race upside down backwards over the top rope and landing on the table at ringside. Dear God, Harley. Bumping machine is Bobby Heenan now back out ringside. Hulk Hogan comes out of the ring after the King, picking him up over his shoulder, driving him, running him shoulder first into the steel post, and then Hulk Hogan turning his attention to the brain, which allows Harley time to finally attack the former champion. The King going to try a pile driver out on the floor, but Hogan counters with a backdrop on the outside. Down goes Harley Race as the Hulkster then with an atomic drop on Race before posting him again and slamming him on the outside floor. So as if you couldn't tell a much more aggressive and angry Hulk Hogan since losing that WWF title, as finally we take the action back to the ring, Hogan continuing to hammer away before removing the tape from his fist and choking Harley with it, even clotheslining race with the tape, and of course that no-good official Joey Morella letting all of this fly. So we've seen Danny Davis turn heel. We've seen Twin Hebners now. And of course, Joey Morella, the issue's going back to WrestleMania 3, at least according to the brain and Andre. Where's referee Happy Jack Kruger when you need him? So Hogan all over Harley Race here. He gets too close to the ropes, however, and Heenan going to distract by grabbing his ankle, allowing Race time to attack from behind and deliver a falling headbutt down on Hogan and his patented Harley Race knee drop to keep the Hulkster grounded. But not for long is Harley Race going to scoop the former champ up with a belly-to-belly suplex, delivering a second knee drop, which connects. But the King, he doesn't make the cover. Instead, Harley Race going for a pile driver, which connects on the Hulkster before tossing him out to the ringside floor. Harley Race then going to follow Hogan outside, laying him across the table, the timekeeper's table out there at ringside. And then Harley Race doing the unthinkable for the time period, climbing up to the apron to deliver a diving headbutt off the apron onto the table. EC-dub, EC-dub. But the Hulkster moves, rolls off the table out of the way, and Harley crashes down onto the table, cracking it in half and causing an injury that we'll discuss a little more in just a minute. Meanwhile, the action continues for the time being. Harley going to manage to get back to his feet, sending the Hulkster back in the ring, And Harley Race climbing to the top rope. The King coming off with a diving headbutt. And this time, it connects. Harley Race diving headbutt off the top rope onto the Hulkster. Gonna get the one, two, but Hogan, he kicks out and hulks up. And you guys can guess what happens next. The Hulkster begins absorbing some blows from the King, planting a few big punches, driving Harley into the corner with a clothesline before blasting race with the running clothesline, X-Bomber, and the leg drop. We'll get the one, two, three. Hulk Hogan will win the matchup, six minutes and 35 seconds over the King. And then post-match, Hogan chasing Bobby Heenan off, before we get the obligatory Hogan must pose scene in the ring. So a few things to touch on in this one. First, if you go back and watch the finish, 
you can tell that they actually had to edit the leg drop spot. As Hogan goes to deliver it, Harley is almost in a seated position from the bump he was selling prior. So they cut to a different camera angle, and Race is all of a sudden, once again, laying flat on the mat to take the leg drop. So I'm thinking probably more than one attempt. Second takeaway here was Harley Race was amazing. Like I'm telling you guys something you don't already know, but every bump from bell to bell and his offense was nice and snug. This was a really fun but condensed version of the house show matches last year that we saw between Hogan and Harley. And I'll give the devil his due here. Hogan was on for this one. Now, sadly, though, I talked about it. We go back to that bump that Harley Race took through the table that would actually cause internal injuries to Race, forcing Harley to have major surgery after WrestleMania 4. And he's going to actually have a portion of his intestines removed. And he won't return for seven or eight months, only to learn that there's a new king in town by that point. But that's a ways off, guys. Harley Race giving his body to his craft here. And what a fun match to only go six and a half minutes. As we continue on, another big matchup here this week, going to pit the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase taking on the macho man Randy Savage, just two of the 14 men involved in the upcoming WWF Championship Tournament at WrestleMania 4. And right now we go back to Mean Gene Oakland, who's standing by with the million-dollar man and his bodyguard, Virgil. All right, thank you, Vince McMahon. Million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, your reaction to the Hulkster. Well, all that posing isn't quite the same without the belt now, is it? <laughs> well, you don't have the belt either. Politics, you pygmy. Sleazy politics, and I'll take care of that at WrestleMania 4. One thing I know for certain tonight. In the ring, Macho Man Randy Savage in his corner, as always, the lovely Elizabeth. Now, earlier on, Ted DiBiase, you indicated that you would have something or somebody special, somebody who would be worth their weight in gold in your corner. What were you talking about? Never mind about that, little man. I want to talk about Macho and the Macho Man. Let me tell you something, Randy Savage. You're looking at the man that has destroyed Hulkamania. All those little Hulksters out there, they have no faith in Hulk Hogan anymore because he's not a champion anymore. And you're looking at the reason why. You think you're so macho because you got a beautiful woman in your corner? Let me tell you something, brother. There's nothing more macho than a man with money. And I've got it all. Let's go, Virgil. All right, the macho man to meet the million-dollar man here tonight on Saturday night's main event. DiBiase basking in the ambiance, basking in the glory of Hulk Hogan out there posing in the previous match without the championship belt. DiBiase said he loved seeing the Hulkster posing without that title. As Mean Gene points out that Teddy, he doesn't have it either. But the million-dollar man talks the sleazy politics in the WWF. They took the belt from him, but he'll take care of that at WrestleMania 4. Meanwhile, we're off right now once again to Mean Gene Oakland. He's standing by with the macho man Randy Savage, who no doubt has to have the lovely Elizabeth. All right, tonight, macho man Randy Savage, you're going to be facing the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. The thing that concerns me, DiBiase has stated he will have something in his corner that is worth its weight in gold. Oh, yeah, worth its weight in gold. Macho talks and money walks. Proven when you took your money and you tried to buy a Hulkamania, huh? And you came up bankrupt. 
Maybe trying to cash a check against the macho man Randy Savage and macho madness here. But the check's gonna bounce, and I'm gonna bounce you all over the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. Uh huh. And talking about the uh, worth its weight in gold. Worth its weight in gold. You know what I got in my corner worth more than its weight in gold? What huh? is it? What is the it? bravest little manager in the world today. My platinum now. Elizabeth, right there. Huh? Oh. How do you like that, million dollar man? Ready to go down that aisle? Uh huh. Get ready, yeah. Let's go cash in now, yeah. Oh, his platinum doll. His manager, the lovely Elizabeth, is the Macho Man. Heads for the ring. So, Savage reiterating that Macho talks and money walks. Ted DiBiase tried to purchase Hulkamania and he came up bankrupt. And now he's writing a check that, well, I guess his ass just can't cash. Against the Macho Man here tonight, Ted's check will bounce, and so will DiBiase, all over the arena. As Savage responding to DiBiase's surprise, well, Savage, he shows off his surprise, his platinum doll, the lovely Miss Elizabeth. Mmm, yeah. As we head off now to the ring for more action, it is the Macho Man Randy Savage taking on the Million Dollar Man. In Macho's corner, the lovely Liz, in DiBiase's corner, it's bodyguard Virgil. Oh, but that's not all, because once both participants of the match are at ringside, DiBiase's surprise makes its way out in the form, you guessed it, of Andre the Giant. As Virgil goes after Elizabeth right away on the outside, Macho Man jumping out to the floor, but he trips backwards over the ring steps accidentally. So to save face, Savage jumps up and slaps the shit out of Virgil. I wrote awesome. Uh, the distraction, though, allows Ted DiBiase to attack Savage off the apron, then into the ring, where Teddy going to just meticulously work over Savage, picking him apart, showing off his wrestling skills. DiBiase off the middle rope with a standing elbow as the announcers finally begin to acknowledge DiBiase as one of the greatest technicians in the history of the business. So finally, they're going to address that he's a little more than just a million-dollar man. As Jesse Ventura on commentary at this point, he wants to know, which Dave Hebner is in the ring, referencing the twin referee situation from a month prior, Vince McMahon making it clear that there will only be one Dave Hebner moving forward here in the WWF, so that takes care of that angle. As a Ted DiBiase going to telegraph a backdrop, and he eats a boot to the face from the Macho Man, and then a high knee from behind by Savage going to send DiBiase through the ropes and out to the floor. And then once the Million Dollar Man is back inside, it's Macho Man up top with a double axe handle. And then the nice leverage move, the running neck snap, snapping DiBiase over the top rope as Savage clears the top rope to the floor. Million Dollar Man taking a fun bump off of that one. And then he's going to powder, roll to the outside as Savage inviting him back in the ring. And once DiBiase returns to the ring this time, we see a series of awesome Million Dollar Man fist drops, dropping Savage down to the mat, delivering a series of of those awesome DiBiase fist drops, but Macho Man shortly regains control after Teddy runs into a boot in the corner. Macho Man taking back over, but he misses a knee drop, and now Million Dollar Man gonna go to work on the knee of the Macho Man by applying a spinning toe hold. But Savage going to break the hold by kicking DiBiase off, tumbling backwards over the top rope and onto the floor. And once Macho is back to his feet, DiBiase gonna pull Savage out to the floor where they begin exchanging shots until Savage looking for a suplex on the outside, but Macho sees Andre the Giant making his way over, and instead Savage going to shove Teddy down and ready himself for the Giant. 
And as all of this is going on, Andre's distraction going to allow Virgil to sneak up behind the Macho Man and attack Randy Savage, which the referee sees. And to get over that this is the good guy Hebner, Dave Hebner ejects Virgil from ringside. You're out of here, Verge. As the bodyguard reluctantly leaves before costing the million dollar man a disqualification loss. But I should note that Andre the Giant still out there. So Virgil ejected, but Andre remains as we take a commercial break. And then back from break, we see the million dollar man off the middle rope with a double axe handle and then delivering a corkscrew elbow drop. Got to get himself a two count there. As the match continues on, they work a chin lock spot. DiBiase has one applied on a grounded macho man, but Savage finally fighting his way out. And it's Savage on the comeback as DiBiase begging off. But Ted sent into the ropes and comes barreling off, inadvertently crashing into the referee. So down goes Hebner and DiBiase exiting the ring. But Savage, not playing any games, goes straight up to the top rope, coming off with a flying axe handle. Double axe out to the floor, onto the million dollar man. But as Savage goes to send DiBiase back into the ring, he's grabbed from behind by the eighth wonder of the world as Andre lays in a giant headbutt to the back of Randy's head before he's sent flying into the ring post. The cameras then cut to an extremely concerned Miss Elizabeth, who isn't sure what to do in this situation, as finally Liz makes a dash for the locker room. Uh-oh, we've seen this before. Andre the Giant continuing to work over the Macho Man on the outside. Remember, Hebner is down and out. Andre tossing Savage over the guardrail into the fans and then yanking him back over to ringside, where he delivers yet another big headbutt while DiBiase now blocking the view of Hebner as he begins to come to. And as Dave Hebner finally recovers, he sees Savage down and out on the outside and begins to make the count. And as you may imagine, yes, indeed, Savage unable to beat the count back inside. Macho Man counted out here. The Million Dollar Man going to get the win. 11 minutes and 37 seconds. But post-match, immediately after the decision, Andre tossing Randy Savage back into the ring as Virgil even returns for a three-on-one beatdown of the Macho Man. DiBiase paintbrushing Savage as the heels hold him up as we cut to Hulk Hogan rushing to ringside with a steel chair held over his head. Hogan rushing to the ring, sliding in with the steel chair as all the heels bail. The heel triad retreating up the aisle as Hulk Hogan warning them. With the steel chair, Elizabeth down checking on her man, Randy Savage on the mat. Hulkster helping Macho Man up as his music begins to play, pomp and circumstance, even though he lost. But that's okay because we get a great scene here as we get the mega powers with Miss Elizabeth walking away, Randy Savage looking a little worse for wear here, and he does lose on a count out. Great storytelling, lots of storytelling on this Saturday night's main event. Now, by way of a wrestling match, Savage and DiBiase here, awesome bumps and great selling from both ends. Great match uh, besides the finish, which, which I was fine with here. We're heading into WrestleMania after all. But the storytelling says that Ted DiBiase is the favorite to win the tournament when he has both Virgil and Andre the Giant at ringside. So it also foreshadows a potential rematch between these two at WrestleMania. It could happen, guys. And should that happen, we now have some backstory for added heat as Savage was robbed here on Saturday night's main event. Plus, Ted DiBiase finally put over as a 
serious, credible competitor, challenger, wrestler, on top of being just a gimmick now, the million-dollar man. They worked hard to point that out and make him look strong here for the upcoming tournament. And beyond all of the Savage DiBiase stuff, we get a throwback once again here, October 3rd, 1987, Saturday night's main event. Elizabeth, again, looking for help for her man, and this time Hulk Hogan, a lot less trepidatious in aiding Randy Savage this time around, coming out with a chair, chasing the heels off. A reminder that the mega powers are a thing, guys, which will be very prominent moving forward. So some really great storytelling throughout this match and after this match, which we will realize much more come the pay-per-view. But Saturday night's main event going to continue to roll on right now. We head backstage to the body. It's Jesse Ventura interviewing Bobby Heenan and his Islanders. Bobby the Brain Heenan, I love your style. The headgear, the leash. What do you call this entire ensemble? Bobby, this is my tribute to the Wild Kingdom. (laughs) I take it you're an animal lover, Brain. An animal lover? Oh, I love animals. I love bulldogs. I love bees. So do Haku and Tama. They love all animals. Gentlemen, roof, 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 roof. You know, Bob, it's got a great beat, but I'm not sure if the bees will be able to dance to it. Oh, they'll be dancing, Jesse. They'll be dancing real good. Because when we're done with them, there's going to be nothing left but beeswax. And then Orkling can shine his bald little head with it. Gentlemen, we got family business to attend to. Let's go. Ha! Great interview. Great grooming tip for you, Mean Gene. And back to you, McMahon. So Jesse would always randomly be used in some of these backstage promos. Always felt like last-minute edition promos. Gene wasn't available anymore, so we'll give this one to the body. As the Islanders there having fun at the Bulldogs and the Bees' expense, mocking their uh, animal noises, insect noises, if you will. As Bobby Heenan says, when they're done with the killer bees, there'll be nothing left but beeswax. We'll have to see about that brain as we head back to the ring. The killer bees taking on the Islanders with Bobby the Brain Heenan. The bees out first, followed by the heels. Heenan hilariously wearing a bee net hat here, mocking the bees in this one. Of course, recently it's been the invisible leash for Matilda. This week we get the, uh, the old bee net hat. Don't see that every day in pro wrestling. As the bell sounds and jumping Jim Brunzel coming right after Tama. Going to work on the Islander. Quick tags from the Bees. Going to see them maintain control early on. Jim Brunzel looking for his dropkick early in the match. But Tama dodges. And down goes Jumpin' Jim as the Islander's going to take over. Haku landing his own dropkick on Brunzel. Going to get a two count here for the Islander team. As Brunzi, however, comes fighting back with an inverted atomic drop on Tama. And then from there, it's Brunzel and Haku double clotheslining one another. Down go both men. As we see Jim Brunzel over to his corner, finally making the hot tag out to B. Brian Blair. Tama in as well. Blair going to go to town on both Islanders, executing a reverse rolling cradle on Tama. Gets the one, two, but referee Jack Kruger stops the count to order Jim Brunzel and Haku out of the ring. And as Kruger pushes Brunzel back in the corner, Haku with a nasty clothesline on Brian Blair behind the official's back knocking Blair right out of that rolling cradle, and the illegal Haku going to cover Brian Blair to steal the win as the Islanders pick up the victory only 3 minutes and 39 seconds. As it would appear, the Bees were robbed here. Now, in all actuality, this matchup was really a 2 out of 3 fall match in the arena. Reportedly went 25 minutes. They simply treated the first fall was the only fall in the match. It actually went Islanders winning the first fall, the Bees scoring a win in the second fall, and then, of course, Islanders taking it home in the third fall. Boy, wouldn't it have been something if the Bees won falls two and three 
on the actual event. But here on Saturday night's main event, all we see is the first fall with the Islanders going over. Might have been a good way to keep both teams happy, but I think the right team went over here. Now that said, for as unover as the Killer Bees were by this point in the company, I still feel like the match with the Islanders was likely solid overall. Unfortunately, time constraints gives us the first fall only, and that fall sadly only went about three and a half minutes. And let us not forget just a couple episodes ago here on The Grenade, when we covered the March House shows, the heel, and I'll put some air quotes around that, the heel killer bees in that lumberjack match between Hulk Hogan and Ted DiBiase. Now the story goes that the bees turned down the idea of an actual heel turn here around this time, and that heel turn eventually going to go to the Rougeau brothers before too long. But I just thought, what a weird time for the bees to turn down an opportunity to get a little more out of their tank, because the killer bees tag team as a unit will soon peter out. As we have one more matchup here this week on Saturday night's main event, we're going to go backstage right now and hear from Mean Gene, who is standing by with the Doctor of Style Slick and his one-man gang. Mean Gene is standing by with the Slickster. Maybe we can get a comment from the Slickster concerning his inflammatory remarks of the U.S. Olympic team. All right, Vince, I'm going to ask him about that right now. Slickster... Everybody is upset about the comments you've made about the United States Olympic team. I hope you can explain yourself. Well, I sure can, little dude. The U.S. Olympic team is nothing but a bunch of losers, baby. That's right, capital letters, L-O-S-E-R-S, USA. And you ought to know about that. Wasn't that loser son of yours on that loser hockey team? Now, just a minute. Just a minute here, Slick. You're not going to get away with talking to me like that. Well, listen, man. If they wasn't a bunch of losers, then why did they have to call in George Steinbrenner to the rescue, dude? From the Yankees? Well, George is going to be able to add to the program, I think. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, he'll help, all right. He'll help them to second place, just like your second place New York Yankees. All right, I thank you very much, gentlemen. One-man gang to meet Ken Patera. Wait a minute, man. Forget about Ken Patera and forget about the U.S. Olympic team. Who needs a team anyway when you've got a gang? The one-man gang. One-man gang. Indeed. George Steinbrenner, Sky may not be a bad idea for a backstop. Vince, let's get back to you. Well, Mean Gene letting Slick know that everybody's upset about his comments earlier in regards to the U.S. Olympic team. Slick doubling down, though, calling them all losers, even mocking Gene's son, Todd Okerlund, who did indeed compete in the 1988 Olympics on the hockey team. As Slickster quips, who needs a team anyway when you've got the one-man gang? Well said, Slick. As we head back to the ring for the final match of the night, one-man gang with Slick in his corner taking on the Olympic strongman, Ken Patera. As Patera begins to remove his warm-up gear, the gang rushes in and attacks clobbering Kenny and choking him with his own pants. And Patera, still wearing that arm brace from his injury last year, begins fighting back here, leveling Gang with a series of right hands. Kenny then locks in a, a bear hug? Well, he can barely actually wrap his arms around the Gang, but he tries to sell it hard here. A for effort anyway, but Patera locking a 500-pound man in a bear hug just isn't very believable. I don't care how strong he used to be. But the gang, however, going to break free of the bear hug, going to the eyes of Patera. But Kenny going to duck a double axe handle blow and apply the patented full Nelson. Full Nelson applied to the one-man gang. But it appears, no, his fingers are not locked, Jess. Sorry, channeling Gorilla Monsoon there, but no, indeed. 
Ken Patera's fingers are not locked behind the head of the one-man gang. Is the gang going to lunge forward, reaching forward for a rope break while in the maneuver? From there, the gang going to take Ken Patera over to the corner, crushing him in the corner. But Patera comes fighting right back with a big Irish whip across to the far corner and Kenny charging in with a high knee. Rocking the one-man gang, Patera then with the 10 punches of doom, then he whips the gang into the ropes, trying for a clothesline. But gang going to come out with a clothesline of his own. And the one-man gang going to win that battle, knocking Ken down with his clothesline. I guess that's what that was. I gotta be honest with you guys, the entire spot looks slow and awful. But Gang somehow falls on top and gets the pin three minutes and six seconds. Now, post-match, the one-man gang jumping Ken Patera once again, but Kenny able to fight him off, jumping off the middle rope, blasting the gang with his arm brace. And then from there, Patera looking to slam the gang, but Slick driving his cane into the back of Patera to allow the heels just enough time to run off. And uh, it's uh, safe to say now, it's become clear that Kim Patera's push is completely over here in the WWF. Even the attempt at whatever that was with Billy Jack Haynes is now gone. And after rumors just a year ago of Kim Patera returning to the company and working Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 4, he now just makes the Battle Royal opener. Nevertheless, the gang, he gets a solid win here over a credible name heading into the big tournament at the pay-per-view. And after watching this, I honestly have no clue how Ken Patera stayed on through Survivor Series in 1988 here. Clearly, Vince was simply a fan because this was borderline embarrassing. As we roll off now, final promo of the night, Mean Gene standing by with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> All right, Hulk Hogan, you said before your match tonight with the King Hardy race that only one man stood in your path of regaining the World Wrestling Federation's heavyweight crown in WrestleMania. One down, one to go. But Hulk, I must confess, I have never seen such maniacal behavior. No, that's not maniacal behavior, Mean Gene. That's behavior of a Hulkamaniac, a star-graded maniac man. As far as I'm concerned, the weasel, the multi-million dollar man, Andre the Giant, Virgil, when you started passing the cash around, you also threw the rule book out. That's why the King Harley Race is laying flat on his back, Jack. And fee-fi-fo-fum, you big nasty giant, here I come. He is one of a kind. Stay tuned. There is more Saturday Night's Band event after this. Wow, what an interesting promo as it appears the Hulkster has lost his mind. Mean Gene calls him maniacal in this interview. Hogan says this is the behavior of a stark raving Hulkamaniac, man. Harley Race was left laying on his back, Jack. And now, fee-fi-fo-fum, Andre the Giant, here he comes. WrestleMania 4. As we close the show, Jesse Ventura, he thinks Hulk Hogan may have snapped since losing the WWF title, and it's going to work against him at WrestleMania. As we close out this edition of Saturday Night's Main Event just two weeks prior to WrestleMania 4, just some quick final thoughts on this one. Uh, going into this, the undercard was, well, let's face it, it was kind of lackluster, but I expected Savage and DiBiase to be fine. I expected Harley Race to bump like a champ for Hulk Hogan, which he did. And I thought this was well-booked, honestly, for the card they presented here. Hulk looked good. Harley Race got his NBC match with the Hulkster. Macho and DiBiase, they have a solid, fun match that really helps sell the WrestleMania main event for me. Plus, the Islanders continue their dominance. Both Valentine and the gang looked like credible names heading into the big tournament. And of course, Brutus Beefcake gets the big win 
leading into his intercontinental match with the Honky Talk Man. So lots of storytelling here heading into the pay-per-view. Job well done and honestly overachieved based on what I was looking at on paper. So another fun edition of Saturday night's main event in the books. Another one not too far away. But first, next week, it's two more weeks of WWF TV. And then we're off to the two-parter, the WrestleMania 4 review right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. But again, we've got two more weeks of TV to jump into here next week. All of the final minute hype leading into the big pay-per-view. We're going to cover it here in just a week's time. And for now, just want to remind everybody to stop over to WrestleCopia.com to take a look at all of the great podcasts here as part of the WrestleCopia brand. Also, follow me on social media. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And while you're at it, why not subscribe to YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And last but not least, give it a try. Talking about that $5 all-access tier over at Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. So many gifts for just five bucks, guys. And all of the proceeds go right back here into funding the podcast network. Help me keep all these shows up and running. And we will return next week. Two more weeks of WWF TV closing out the month of March. March television here in 1988 in the World Wrestling Federation. And then from there, WrestleMania, here we come. But until then, this is Ray Russell saying, from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and I'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there! Countdown for WrestleMania continues, we'll say so long from Nashville, Tennessee. I am not